Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Robert Materazzi, CEO of Luca, which has become a billion-dollar company by hiring the best people and solving the gap between the complexities of blockchain data and traditional business needs. Welcome to the show, Robert. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so when it comes to sharing some of your best practice tips that got your company recognized all also as being a best place to work, I can't help but to wonder how much of that has to do with your ability not just to hire the best people, but also your ability to bring out the best in people. And I say that because your executive chairman, Nick, told me that your career started in the Marines and you were a Supra Cobra instructor pilot. And he claims you brought out the best in him as you taught him how to be a pilot. And that's, uh, and that's very nice of him because I could, I could probably say the same thing about the effect he's had on me. But I guess that kind of gets to part of your, your question, which is the hiring is, is one tiny step. The retention, the development and building trust, I think is how I probably described it, are really the what I would say are the stepping stones to building the right culture that you want. And every every company needs to figure out what culture that they want to be. But when when they're doing that, there's a couple of things that I think are clearly going to support a more positive and productive environment than the opposite. And so build, building trust, making sure you're rewarding people, that you are focusing on development, and you're doing it at all levels. And development doesn't just happen top down, right? It mm-hmm. happens peer to peer. It happens from your directs upward, and, and really in all in all directions. And anyone who isn't doing it is going to regret it for sure. Yeah. And you yourself have been promoted. When you worked at PwC, you were promoted several times. And at Luca, you didn't start a CEO. You got promoted there. And you've also been named as one of 2021's top 100 most influential people in accounting. So I am curious, did you ever have anyone teach you how to be a good leader? Or was that part of the Marine training? My dad was a Marine and he he claims he learned a lot there. But can you elaborate a little bit about why you think? Sure. I mean, and that's such a broad answer. So it is it is hard to answer it directly, but uh, absolutely my Marine Corps experiences have contributed to my leadership development. I mean, it it, it probably, I would describe it as one of the most influential aspects, just beginning Marine Corps officer training. You go through about a year of courses that are just focused on on leadership. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of dimensions to that, very, very deep topics, a lot of hands-on experience and putting you in roles with the others that you're training with that are giving you exposure to leading well, participating first, right? Because there's leadership even involved with just being part of a team. But then from there, being small team leaders all the way up to leading about 200 people is really what you get exposed to in that first year. Mm -hmm. And it is training, so it's a simulated environment. However, right after that, you're given real-life leadership responsibility. And so that's where you fall back on that education with real-life experiences immediately as a roughly 24 to Mm 26-year-old. And and that's a lot earlier than people traditionally in corporate America or other more traditional jobs would get exposure to leadership roles. So so that is is a huge, huge part of my, my development. I will point out though, I mean, I think that there are characteristics and a lot that goes in before someone would get training like you would get from the Marine Corps, right? So there's there's definitely a lot of other things and, and the Marine Corps can bring that out in people and it can further deepen it. But just because you're going to the Marine Corps and through officer training, it doesn't mean you're going to come out a good leader. 
Yeah. And you're in an industry that I could say has not existed before. And you guys have figured out how to make something super complex, simple enough. So do you have a special way that you figure out who's smart enough to figure something out that has never been done before? You know, I don't know if I would call it smart. I mean, when interviewing, of course, you're going to pick up on some of those characteristics and, and the education as well, which are obviously two different dimensions that can complement each other. I'd say that focusing on people that know how to operate as a team is far more important than an individual's aptitude to do anything. Mm. I mean, I would take five people who know how to work together perfectly, but we would describe as average performers and, and average intelligence or however you wanted to rate them compared to also five people that didn't know how to work together at all, but had all perfect test scores, right? I'd take the team any day of the week. That's a very good point. So it is, it's developing as part of the team. And that's a lot of what we do at Luca is we don't sit here and say, what's the perfect individual we need to hire? We say, hey, as a team, what's our weakness and what are our strengths? And then let's go hire someone that fills in that weakness. And then let's try to develop people along the way. But when you're moving fast, you need to be able to rely on strengths and you can't always develop. You need mm -hmm. to find opportunities to develop. But when you're moving at the peak of, of whatever rate that you're moving at, you have to rely on the strengths and you kind of pause development for a period until you have a window where, where you can do that. And so yeah. the fastest way to fill in the gaps is to bring in people who will complement your team and have different strengths than what you do. And so that's all part of the collaboration. It demonstrates diversity in skill sets and inclusivity in, in a lot of different dimensions, which I think is just absolutely critical to, to any organization, really. Yeah. So Robert, all I see with you are successes as a leader. So I'm of course wondering, did you ever struggle as a leader and, and do you, did you ever have a blind spot? Oh, absolutely. I'd say, geez, I, I wouldn't even be able to share all of the experiences with you where I, I would describe as, as short-term failures or, or struggles and challenges. Were you ever frustrated and did you ever have a moment where you're yeah. like, man, I need to do something different? I think I experience that every single week right now in my current <laughs> Honestly, what's what's an aha moment where you're like, ah, I need to do something different. Yeah. I mean, as we get more people, we're all remote now. I mean, we scaled Luca. That's a lot of change management. There's mm -hmm. at least 30 people or so at the company that I've never met in person. And you're hiring about 30 more right now. I saw we are. It is. It's yeah, it's rapid, right? We're not we're not yeah. done at all. And so when you're doing that, there's communication challenges. And, and it, it isn't necessarily that anyone did anything wrong. It's just that when you're moving that fast in a remote environment in such a technical space, it's very difficult to keep people coordinated sometimes. And that can lead to some frustrations with team members when they do work that was wasted or has to change because something wasn't communicated clearly. So I'd say, I mean, those are challenges that we deal with every single day and there isn't just a magical answer to it, right? Yeah. I think it's more just, hey, when something's not working, be cognizant of it, recognize it, and then do something about it. And even what you do still might not be the correct answer, but then adjust again, right? So I think it's that not, not giving up and it's the tenacity that's associated with problem solving that usually gets you through those things because there isn't just a textbook you can read or a course you can take to solve all of that. And it sounds like communication is one of the ways you discovered that something was not working. Do you have an example of where that happened? Communication is, I would almost put that as like number one most important thing for any organization or team or for leaders to really focus on. 
There are times where communication needs to be concise. There's other times where it needs to be detailed, knowing when it needs to be either or, and then choosing your words carefully and making sure that you're not describing things or giving tasks or delegating in ways that are ambiguous or could be interpreted in different directions. And then furthermore, training people on when to ask, right? Be assertive enough to ask for more guidance when you're lacking it, because no leader is perfect and no one's ever going to communicate something perfectly. And so if you're not given something as simple as a deadline or a clear objective, or if it's unclear, ask for clarification. And I usually point out that people that do that, I consider to be a little bit more mature leaders Mm -hmm. than people that don't do that intuitively. There's one small, just very, you know, an everyday example of miscommunication is reviewing and, and executing contracts and agreements of all different kinds, whether they're with vendors or customers or NDAs and things like that as part of the normal course of business. And sometimes it's a very simple process and it's straightforward because we'll utilize templates and that preserves the right things that, that leaders want to make sure are in place when we're executing one of these documents. When we deviate, that's usually where there's more friction. We had an NDA with a, a big name logo that we're excited to be working with. And they had some very restrictive language that they wanted to add into it, which ended up being totally agreeable for everyone. However, we were all communicating in Slack. So in our, you know, our chat communication tool with about five people, everyone was anxious to get this document signed and I was out of office. So I got a message from the five different people in all different roles. So it was legal, it was sales, it was products, right? A bunch of different roles all messaging me about the exact same document. And I was hearing different context from every single person about the reason for the documents and what the edits were related to. And so I connected them all into a big group chat to say, hey, let's all get on the same page here. Here's here's what I just heard. Please correct me to make sure I understand the story. Everybody chimed in very quickly and professionally. And without me chiming in at all or giving a formal approval on the document, which is something that we have in place at, at Luca, like I'm the final approval, everyone agreed that it was approved and they were emailing it out. And I kind of had to stop them and say, well, hold on, slow down. Like the one person that didn't chime in yet is the approver, right? (laughs) And it's very important that we get that positive confirmation of an approval in place, right? Before we act on it and actually start executing. And so, I mean, that's a very simple example, but it happens like every day. And so we actually had a debrief about it. And I'd say that's the number one advice that I would give to particularly young leaders is things like that are going to happen all the time. And it's not necessarily because anyone did anything wrong. Actually, in that example, it was quite the opposite, right? I mean, everyone was was had very good intentions, was trying to do the professional thing. They just moved a little bit too fast, maybe, right? And skipped one step, but it wasn't deliberate. Or do you think it's maybe you weren't clear enough? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that sometimes I am. Or sometimes someone will say, hey, can I route this to you for approval? I'll give feedback. They'll do the feedback, but then they won't send it back to me for that reconfirmation that the uh, feedback was done correctly. That's yeah. a big problem that I've had lately where people are like, well, got it. You said that you wanted me to do this and I did it. So then I sent it out and it's like, and the assumption was verify, right? (laughs) So sometimes it's just training and giving the feedback. And so we actually, you know, had a call and, and discussed it and said, Hey, how can we do this better? How could we have communicated more clearly? Let's make sure people are not deviating from some of the processes that we have in place. 
Because honestly, in that contract example that I just gave, if people had followed the procedures that were known and everyone on that were aware of the procedures, then that miscommunication would have been prevented because there's an actual button that says approved in a little form that you fill out. And there's no way to misinterpret that. Mm -hmm. So, but they deviated because it was urgent and we're going outside of the, the process. So, and that's challenging for a leader because you don't want to be a bottleneck. You don't want to slow things down. You don't want to frustrate people. However, being assertive enough to slow people down and pause things to settle to make sure that you're not taking unnecessary risks can feel very uncomfortable, but it's very important for a leader to do so. Mm. It's, it's, it's knowing when to say no or knowing when not to approve something or knowing when to get people to step back to put a little bit more thought in it. And I'd say definitely earlier on in my career when I was younger, I was more focused on the deadlines, more focused on meeting it. And I would take shortcuts where after you've experienced how that can hurt you and it can actually cause longer delays Mm -hmm. in the long run, you learn to be a little bit more patient. And so it's almost a patience and decision-making is the way that I would describe it. I appreciate you sharing that story and I'm sure people can relate to that. And there are leaders now that, you know, for the first time been facing crisis. You've obviously been through crisis in the Marines and throughout your career. So do you have one or two tips about how you've made it through or, or how you recommend other leaders make it through crisis? The very first thing that comes to mind is the importance of people and of your team. And I'd say that leaders that have an appreciation of those people, I mean, they are your most valuable asset. And if you recognize that, it's going to enable you to be a leader much more intuitively. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the people that do that naturally, I see natural leadership tendencies. Doesn't mean they're not making mistakes, (laughs) but the fact that they care and they're looking out after those people is a huge, huge trait that not everybody has and not all leaders have. And so yeah. that, that's really the first thing that I say that comes to mind. And it's usually an easier thing to do as well when it comes down to it. So it's having that appreciation, making sure to, to take time to say thank you, making sure to give feedback frequently and develop frequently and not make a big event out of it. Do it in smaller, more frequent doses instead of less frequently in large doses, right? Brilliant. And, and if you do that consistently, a lot of the things that you need to accomplish from there will kind of fall into place because you be able to rely on that team and you'll be able to build trust with them a lot deeper than if you hadn't. In terms of the caring part, you seem to naturally do that because I know you're also the co-founder of Vita, which is Veterans in Digital Assets, giving them opportunities. So that's a very rewarding initiative. Yeah. For any veterans that might listen to this that are interested in crypto, particularly, that's a great network to become a part of the uh, the Veterans in Digital Assets, which we're very, very excited about. And a lot of the same themes that you asked about today carry into that initiative, actually. Wow. It has been such a pleasure to hear about your best practice tips and your leadership experience. And you are continuing to provide opportunities, Luca. So if people want to know more about you or your company, they can go to luca.tech. But again, thanks for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.